What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to the Inks Go Yard Podcast live on a Monday following the conclusion of the regular season and for the first time since 2016, the conclusion of the Yankee season. I'm Adam Weiner, alongside Thomas Carinante. The Yankees lost their final series of the year bad. The Yankees gave Zach Granke his second win of the season in the finale. I don't know, bad, good. I'm not actually sure what that was. He ends possibly his final season with a 2-15 and record, and congrats to the Yankees contributing to that once they clinched a winning record with a victory on Saturday. They go 82 and 80. It's their worst season in quite a while, but it does not break the 31 year streak of finishing over 500. So good for them. Aaron Judge remains <laughs> an important name. And I guess just saying his name scares the microphone into submission because he immediately went scorched <laughs> earth on the analytics team, not the use of analytics in general, but the people who operate that uh, group of employees and budget in New York uh, held back nothing. So truth bombs from the captain. Certain players are going to be gone in 2024. We'll talk about the immediate next steps. Is Sean Casey back? Is Aaron Boone back? Has Sean Casey been offered anything? What are we doing here? And then a quick round of, would you rather this guy manage the Yankees than Aaron Boone? Because it feels like Aaron Boone is coming back. There are several veteran managers on the market uh, and fans uh, feel a certain way about pretty much every single name here. So you might as well run through them and talk it out. Folks, make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. As long as my microphone stays working, you will get an audio podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us today. We're live every Monday at 2 o'clock Eastern. We'll vary up the cadence, though, in the offseason. You can expect us all winter meetings long, all offseason long, several times a week. Whenever you'll have us, we'll be live on the air we appreciate you sticking with us, keeping the chat lively. Roberto Rosario showing up early, making his presence known. And thanks so much for joining us, as always. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the show. New York Yankees season is over. Even after the game stopped being meaningful, I would still check the score updates and cringe a little bit. So it's nice to remove them entirely from the docket because you can tell me a Yankees game is meaningless. But when I see they're down 2 nothing on a two-run home run in the third, I'm still going to be like, eh. And that's what happened this weekend. That's what happened last week. I mean, every time they got their ass beat, I was like, that's no fun. I, I don't want that to happen. So now it's all over. We can watch the wild card round and we can provide an offer to the fans who've stuck it with uh, this horrible team all year. long. Yes, sir. The Yankees. Thank you for that. Um, what was that? I don't know, but the season's over. I couldn't be happier. We'll get into that in a second. First, we got Bet365 here. They have increased their sign-up offer ahead of the MLB playoffs, which start tomorrow. Um, new users who register for Bet365 and use our code YGYBetting are now eligible to receive $365 in bonus bets. Get it? All you have to do is sign up, deposit $10, and place a $1 wager on any game. Once you place that first bet, you will instantly receive $365 in bonus bets, whether you win or lose. Just make sure to use that code YGY betting when you sign up. Not only does that code get you that money, or the, or should I say bonus bets? I don't want to uh, tread any uh, uh, legal issues here. Um, 
Sports a podcast. We got a long off season, guys. You're going to need to hear from us if you still want to be entertained, and I'm assuming that you do. Um, so any signups, uh, first-time signups for Bet365 help. Yanks go yard. We'd appreciate it very much. Thank you. Uh, this offer is only available for new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. Um, yeah, I uh, was a little bit optimistic there that they would end this season on a any note, um, but they ended it on a note. Just as you'd expect, um, this year has been an even worse roller coaster than 2021. I didn't think they could outdo that season. They did. Um, they proved me wrong yet again. And here we are uh, in their defense, I suppose. The Royals were kind of on fire. Yeah. So, I mean. Sunday was what it was. You know, they squandered a bases loaded, no outs opportunity in the first. Hilarious. One more time. It felt like those, uh, you know, that hilarious joke that like funeral announcements use when they're like, he wants the Browns to lower him into the grave so they can let him down one last time. It was like <laughs> one last time before the 2023 Yankees died. They loaded the bases on singles with nobody out, did not score runs, which is a hallmark of the Sean Casey offense. People got on base. People walked. Nobody scored. Uh, we'll talk about him in a bit. But Dud, Snoozer, whatever you want to call it yesterday, IKF's final Yankees RBIs. Congrats to him. Very uh, nice. nice win on Saturday. Anthony Volpe got a couple of hits uh, to rate, keep his average above 200. Cool. Uh, I think it's pretty hard to give him anything better than a C plus. Everybody did their viral tweet. Hey, how do you grade Anthony Volpe's season? And all the responses were like, C, C plus, C. And I'm like, yeah, C, C plus, one of the two. Yeah. Um, he was a rookie. That's how I grade a season. Yeah. We, we thought he might come in as like an otherworldly immediate impact player. And he was a rookie. Some months he hit 260 and controlled the zone with power. Some months he did almost nothing and lost everything that he had built up previously. He played pretty good defense. So C plus. Um, and then Friday night, that was the most important game of the series because, oh, the Yankees are eliminated. They can't hurt you anymore. Like they lose a bullpen game to the Blue Jays. They still win two out of three in that series. Carlos Rodon's start on Friday was the worst start in MLB history. And like the single lowest moment I've had as a fan ever. Yeah, it's close to it. We're taking like we're taking like actual playoff eliminations off the docket. Like things games that matter. Uh, obviously, anytime you lose a game that actually has has impact, that that is that is more of a, a sting. But yeah, Rodon had turned a corner, and like he didn't have to believe, but he was throwing 100 miles an hour against the Pirates. Ball didn't hit the base. He goes seven one run innings. His best start of the year was at Fenway. The opposite of that is how Yankee free agents usually are. Pretty good in a wet game against the Diamondbacks. Gave up two runs, held him shut out till the end of his start. Then he gave up a bunch of runs at the end. I was feeling a little bit good about a little bit good about him. Again, same yeah. number of K's as innings pitched, ERA under six. Like the bar is on the floor. And I'm like, okay, well, this is some positive momentum for 2024. And then he he loses two to 2.5 miles an hour on every pitch on Friday. I'm sure he was healthy for that. And he uh doesn't record an out. Yeah, six hits, two walks, eight earned runs. Everybody scores. The inherited runner score turns his back on Matt Blake because ERA goes up a full run. Yep. Uh, that's just that's the worst start. It's tied for basically the worst start in MLB history. There's like five guys who faced that many batters and not retired any and had them all score. It's it's right up there. It's not an historical exaggeration. That's as bad as a start can be. No outs. Matt Bowman came in and recorded some outs. No outs were recorded by your free agent starter, and he ignored the pitching coach. Yeah. Um, just the lowest of the low. Indefensible. Absolutely indefensible. I don't care that he was remorseful. There was some stuff that came out about how, you know, they can't – They it was discipline-worthy, but it's the end of the season, so what can you do? You can do something. You, you sure. got to do something because he says all the right things. He's accountable to the media. Even before that start, he told Randy Miller, he who should not be named – that he gets it for $27 million. He should be make, throwing 200 innings a year. He feels like crap. He's going to go on a darkness retreat after the season, and that worked for Aaron Rodgers. So good to replicate his offseason strategy. <laughs> definitely definitely kept that guy healthy. So, yeah, what I, following his footsteps for sure. Um, but he says all the right things in that interview. He says all the right things every time they talk to him. And then acts like a petulant child on the mound. And not in a must-win game, not a high-stakes game. Friday night between two eliminated teams in the final series of the year in Kansas City. That can't happen. And has to be punished. I don't care how remorseful he was. I've defended Rodon all year and will continue to because I love the guy. But you can't keep saying all the right things and doing all the wrong things. And after yeah. three great weeks, that was just an abomination. Yeah, I don't. That that was. 
I was sitting. I didn't watch that game. I ended up watching the highlights. I was at. Why uh, was, would you have watched yeah. that game? Well, I wanted to see him, but I was away at a wedding, so I said, "You know what? I'll watch the highlights." And then I was with my buddy at this wedding. And he's like, "Oh man, Rodon three earned. Oh man, Rodon seven earned. Oh man, yeah. Rodon out of the game." I was like, "Jesus Christ!" Um, I ended up That's watching the, the highlights. So these games don't matter, right? But we no. watched them all down to the wire. Yeah, to clown on Rodon because you knew that everybody else would come for him if you didn't. Like, yeah. People are definitely watching the 81 and 79 Yankees in Kansas City because they're a draw and they're going to laugh at you if you lose that absolutely meaningless game. And they did. Yeah. I mean, he got booed by Yankees fans in Kansas City, which is like this fucking weird trend that we're seeing all year where these Yankees fans on the road are giving this team hell, which is how you know that every aspect of this roster is at rock bottom. Um, yeah, Rodon, I think uh, there were probably two at bats there. Uh, Salvador Perez ripping that ball into the gap was beyond impressive. Um, and then, uh, he threw a tight one up and in, I forgot who it was. Um, and the guy ripped a single into left field. He just got around on it nicely. Yeah. Um, so there were two instances there where he had the hitter on the ropes and there was uh, an unfortunate outcome, but the rest velocity was not there. I don't know what those looping breaking balls were but they were some of the worst breaking balls i've ever seen um he threw 92 middle middle to the first hitter of the game this is the royal c squad i'm learning players as the game is going on i'm like who's nick lofton why is he on second base why is he clearing (laughs) why is he doing a pepper shaker or something like i'm learning the royals customs i'm like oh in kansas city they do a barbecue rub every time they whip a 92 middle middle fastball into the gap off a washed up former free agent acquisition cool good to know um and he was veering away from pavano territory and then he steered right back into the skid it's like that meme with the highway signs it was like pavano alley on the right he's like (laughs) one more time before the season ends i mean god that was just that was so obnoxiously bad that we have to talk about it we have to analyze the eliminated yankees against the royals because of you carlos rudon yeah, I think there is um, – look, we're going to dig for all the silver linings. Uh, this is the worst possible outcome you could have. However, um, if he has a start where he goes five innings, four earned, are we remembering this in a week? <laughs> I mean, look, he goes zero innings, eight earned. Now his ass is on the fucking stove, uh, the hot stove. The stove. And it's, yeah, it's a burning stove uh, right underneath the fire. And he has something to work for in 2024. I understand that the best outcome here would have been six, seven shutout and you ride the momentum into next year. But now you did this. You You acted very immaturely on the mound to a coach and they threatened discipline. I mean, uh, okay. Yankees claiming it was a disciplinary moment. They have never disciplined anybody in this in this Aaron Boone era. So no. I don't even fucking believe that they they wouldn't even know what to do. It would no. be one of the first instances where, where they would they, they would huddle up and they'd be like, well, we've never done this before. So what are we supposed to do? And also Carlos could probably beat the shit out of all of us at the same time. So like are we gonna really be that mean to him? They'd be um, him like the middle of a no-hit bid. They'd be like turning in the opposite direction like <laughs> characters staring at the wall of the dugout. Like, yeah, we don't know. <laughs> um yeah, I, uh, I I really think that the only positive that can come out of this is that it was so bad that now he is going to be either super motivated to make up for all these transgressions this year. Because, look, I know you don't have to tell me this year has been as hard for him as it has been for almost anybody else. The, the, the recurring injuries, you don't get off on the right foot after signing that contract, so the pressure's on. The second you, the pressure is on the second you sign the dotted line. Now the pressure has been ratcheted up, you know, 15 levels because you're not ready for opening day. You're on that stove. On that stove. Keeps escalating and escalating because you are out for the next two and a half months and people are expecting you to perform. Uh, You have a phantom injury, then you get injured again. So you are finally getting into a groove, interrupted, come back. You know, you have a few good starts. Tigers kick your ass. Few good starts again. A couple of mediocre ones in there, and then the Royals do this to you. Like that's a very tough year, and it's certainly discouraging. But he's a professional. He's pitched a top 
you know, his, his position before multiple times before over the last two seasons. Um, and uh, he's going to have a lot of soul searching to do. And hopefully that's for the better. Um, but absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, we shouldn't be talking about this. Like I said, if he, if he went five and four and you'd be like, yeah, wish it was better. You know, let's fast forward to next year and see what happens. But um, now he has this weighing on him in the off season. And I think it's, it's kind of a make or break because all these people talking about potentially one of the worst free agent signings of all time. And it's either he responds and rebounds from this or he fulfills the prophecy and he is one of the worst free agent signings of all time. And yet in, in the history of the Yankees. So um, that's what I'm going to take for this. I'm going to say, you know what, man, that was the worst way you could possibly end a season. There is, you said rock, it, 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 there were moments in time where it seemed like it was rock bottom going into the, you know, the, the, the final start. This is actually rock bottom. It cannot get any worse than this. Um, and I hope the Yankees figure out some sort of disciplinary issue because that they should they should let it be known that that is not tolerated. Do I blame him for doing that? No, I'd be fucking furious giving up what at that point he had given up five earned runs and no outs. I'd be I'd be fuming. Yeah. Matt Blake was going out there to give him a breather, though. He wasn't going out there to be like, hey, man, what's going on? He knew what was going on. He saw him fucking sucking. And he said, you know what? This guy needs a second. And Carlos was like, no, fuck you. I don't need anything. Yeah. And yeah, you do. Um, yeah, you need a lot, buddy. Um, it's unfortunate that that's the way that transpired, but I, the Yankees need to, the, something needs to happen, whether it's a fine, whether it's, uh, he's the number five starter to kick off next season, uh, just for the first go around. I don't know. They got to do something because that's that they, they can't be sending that message. I tell you what, he's going to get the Aaron Hicks treatment on opening day. And here's what he's got to do. He's got to either wear a sign that says boomy or he's got to have whoever comes out right before him in the opening day lineup turn him and boo him to his. <laughs> like, he's got to make it really funny. He's yeah. like, and I, that's the thing. Every time he talks, I'm like, this guy is perfect. Yeah, this guy gets it. He under he he craves the high stakes. He's hard on himself. Yep. And there's no margin for error because if you're hard on yourself, no one's gonna be like we preach accountability and we're like, oh, John Carlos Stan is so accountable, but that hasn't stopped people from putting him in the trade machine. Yeah, people are still gonna hate Rodon if he stinks, but at least he can hold himself accountable. At least he can get in on the joke. Hicks just had a torturous first month of the season yeah. and is now hitting 270 with power in Baltimore. He's gonna have to do something in the opening day intros that doesn't come off condescending that proves he's in on the joke. So like he can't. I was thinking maybe he can boo, but then that looks like he's booing the crowd. I was thinking he could do the turn it up thing, but that also makes it look like maybe I don't want it. Like he can't flip them off. He can't blow them raspberries. I think if he had like whichever reliever runs out next to him, maybe like, I don't know whose number is closest to him, but just turn to him and go, boo, gee, boo. Oh, they just doing this. Riley Leonard from Duke gets the you suck texts from his mom. Mm -hmm. I've heard this story every single week of the college football season so far i beg of you stop covering duke now that they're not undefeated um he needs to do something like that uh, maybe you can ask aaron judge for advice who seems to understand the position of, of the yeah. captaincy um i tell you what i was gonna say like man michael fishman and the analytics people taking strays i don't even think it's strays anymore i think it's direct hits yeah they are they are receiving bullets to the heart and gut um, we'll talk about the Sean Casey Boone thing in a bit, but Aaron Judge was first to the pile on, uh, gave a long interview yesterday saying all the things that you expect. Again, hey, if it's not a World Series, it's a failure. We can't keep failing, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. but the same way that he said, I want big change. You know, we need to look internally. He said, I meet with Hal Steinbrenner a lot. Haven't met with Cashman yet. Looking forward to getting in a room with both of them. That's important. Yeah. And uh, number two said, you know, no problem with analytics, but it's not the numbers. It's not that we're getting numbers. It's that we're getting the wrong numbers, maybe. The wrong numbers? I mean, I take off the ankle bracelet, go right back to jail, like start a barroom brawl. That is as untethered as you will hear a Yankee speak to the media, especially a captain. Um, add in the fact that Sean Casey – may or may not have been extended a welcome invitation to coach for the 2024 season. And even if he was decision still in his court, we, when he was hired, we kind of heard, Hey, whether they want him back or not, he's going to have to decide if he even wants to be a coach Yeah, which, like, valid. He wasn't one and he might not be, but uh, the fact that he's certainly not an, an analytics department, darling, 
and maybe was offered an extension of his role, that shows that maybe the analytics department's not calling all the shots anymore. Judge saying we're getting the wrong numbers is basically you guys aren't good at what you do and what you do is an essential service. So whether it's assistant VP, Michael Fishman, or whether it's somebody else, whoever is feeding them, the numbers has to get uh, summarily executed, I would say. And, uh, and then there was, yeah, I mean, just I had a third point. I forget it. I mean, either way, these guys are getting uh, stomped on by Captain Aaron Judge. It's the move. Uh, congrats to him. Uh, it's to be expected as position, as captain. This is what he has to do. Oh, um, I remember the, the third one was someone, an executive, told Newsday that the analytics department believes they are never wrong. That literally cannot happen that must change if there if you cannot take responsibility for your actions and humility like what what are you doing in the professional yeah base if that's so, true yeah. that's just that's just pathetic from just a, a human element of it it's like do you well you if you're hiring anybody that walks through life thinking that they're never wrong then you're hiring the wrong person for the position um and the fact that they've assembled if that's the case a room full of these fuckers um then, yeah, yeah. The, the, no, no wonder why everything's gone south. Yeah. But a crack staff of unhireables. <laughs> I don't. I, I I respect Judge for coming out and saying this. It it needed to be said. Uh, I, I think he touched upon just about everything that needed to be touched upon without setting everything on fire. This is his job. He is the captain. He has. He in theory is supposed to have his finger on the pulse of everything from the information the team's getting to the chemistry in the locker room to, you know, the, the, the feel that the manager has for the game um, or, you know, however he thinks the manager is able to uh, control the the clubhouse and whatnot. So I think him coming out and saying this judge, again, a reserved guy who isn't really one to speak out and say these types of things to stir up the media had to do that. I think it's I think it's a good thing because it means we've reached a point where you know it's like it's like you're airing the grievances with somebody after there's just been an insane amount of tension in the air and you're unable to coexist being in the same room together. Um he knows what we've witnessed this year. Again, we've witnessed this like we're watching this and we're like wow, this fucking sucks. Imagine what he's like in there as the best player on the team. Look guys, there were two players on the team that finished above average in OPS plus. It was Aaron judge and Glaber Torres. Um, and I don't know if you want to call me picky here. A one eighteen OPS plus should not be your second best hitter. Just saying uh, they had one pitcher finish one starting pitcher finished with a sub 4.56 ERA. And that was Garrett Cole. Um uh, no, you're wrong there, though. They actually had a second projected starter finish below four, five, six, and that was Frankie Montas, who finished the season with a zero ERA. So, <laughs> two of them. Sorry. The analytics department's going to come from my head over that. Yeah, they're never wrong. And um, you were wrong. So, one, one point for them, zero. <laughs> Look, Judge doing this is the right move. I hope he's meeting with Hal and Cash. I hope that whatever he says holds the weight that it needs to honestly at this point i think he if he's in the room with both of them i don't think brian cashman cares what any of the players have to say because if he did he wouldn't blindside jordan montgomery with a trade he wouldn't blindside harrison bader with being placed on waivers um he wouldn't do the the million other things that he's done over the last few years um in terms of torpedoing the chemistry or you know uh tipping the scales in the wrong direction for what what this roster is needed um, so I hope that whatever judge says, Hal Steinbrenner is taking it into account seriously um, and is able to overrule Cashman on whatever decisions are being made. But yeah, you just look at those. Ba- you could just I could print out the Yankees 2023 stats, put it in front of you and compare it to the worst team in the playoffs right now. Who would what be the Diamondbacks or the Cubs? Probably Yeah, D-backs ended. I was actually just going to say that. The Yankees luckily don't have that ridiculous Red Sox argument. They're like, hey, if you were to just pick us up and put us in the NL West, we'd be contending for you'd be out of the playoffs. Uh, Miami and Arizona both had 84 wins. You had 82. So you would have ended up, I don't know, 
closer to the postseason if you were a National League team, but still out of it. So you got any other ideas for me? Any more brain busters? <laughs> it's um it's a sad reality that this is is what it's come to, but it's it's what's needed. Um, there there's no reason for this performance. Like even DJ LeMay, who was playing good down the stretch, stretch ends up slumping. Seven eighteen OPS, ninety six OPS plus, career high, one hundred twenty five strikeouts. He's never struck out more than one hundred seven times in a single season. And the one time that he did that, he played in one hundred and fifty five games. This year, he played in one hundred and thirty six. So he's striking out at an even crazier clip. There's so, a lot of a lot of stuff that's gravely wrong here, um, and uh, I don't look. Changes is an understatement, right? We keep saying changes are coming, changes are coming. Yeah, the changes that are coming are the people who are leaving because they have to leave because their contracts expired. Those are changes. This needs a complete. This roster needs a complete upheaval. So anything short of, for example, a Juan Soto trade, if that's even on the table. Anything short of a Yamamoto signing, uh, and you need two or three of those moves to kind of change the complexion of what's going on here. Um, th- th- that's the only way that 2024 is going to look any different. And Aaron Judge, I think, in saying what he said, pretty much spells that out. He doesn't have to come out and directly say, hey, you know, we need five new players to change this around. Aaron Judge is coming out and saying, yeah, there's a lot of problems. And um, I can't wait to talk to the people who are in charge of making decisions about it. That means he's going to have a lot to say about everything from the structure of the roster to maybe the personalities in the room to, you know, for me, it's like, I hope he's talking to them with scouting and like just game scouting, figuring out, you know, the opposing pitchers versus opposing hitters and vice versa, defensive alignments, all of that, because it couldn't be worse for this team at this point. And I think, Someone who's been playing baseball long enough, he probably knows that. So again, and that's the information they're probably getting from from up top. Um, so I, I'm happy that he said something. Again, we will wait for the results. We will wait wait for the action uh, because nothing will convince us otherwise until then. I mean, I'm tired of defending this team and saying like, of course they're not stupid enough to sink lower. Like they're not at, like this year went so drastically awry, but they're a world-class franchise. They are not dumb enough to just allow themselves to sink into mediocrity. And they do spend money. They just don't spend nearly enough of it. They spend 2004 money, but they're going to have to do something very serious this offseason. Mm-hmm. Otherwise they are going to lose people like me who sit here and say, Hey, they're playing extremely poorly and the process is flawed. But at the very least, There's historical precedent that they're among the six franchises that matter in Major League Baseball. At least you're not the Marlins. At least you're not the bottom of the barrel in the NL Central. But if this offseason doesn't go well, if they don't make meaningful change here, then they're going to lose me. They're going to have me saying they no longer matter. They're not only squandering their advantages, they're squandering the goodwill of the fans who believe them to be inherently competent. And, uh... Yeah, I mean, a lot of players are going to be gone this offseason. I'm excited for literally any move that occurs. Like, I'm at the point where, like, whatever goes down, I'll be like, great, it's meaningfully different. But that is also what I said when they traded for Josh Donaldson. So, who knows? <laughs> I, I was At that offseason, I was like, you can do literally whatever. And I will be like, great, interested. Not Maybe not into it, but interested. And it got us the worst trade of Brian Cashman's entire career. So hopefully things go better this offseason and they don't target players who the entire fan base immediately knows will not be properly cast in their roles. Uh, in terms of like meaningful change that you can expect immediately, there, I every year we try to assess which players will be gone at the end of the season. This was the easiest year ever because there aren't even, you know, this is even without difficult decisions. Like if we were to freelance and try to come up with like a list of tough calls, the Yankees are going to have to make plenty of those. Does Clark Schmidt stay? I don't know. You trade Michael King as a sell high. Certainly wasn't very good in his last start, though. I don't think many people are paying attention to that. Does Glaber Torres play next year? If you plan to contend, probably it's going to be hard to find an upgrade. And if you trade him, you'd better find an upgrade, but you could, you could do that. Oswald Peraza hitting 195, not my preferred upgrade. Hashtag not my upgrade, but go find one. Uh, Jose Trevino probably back, probably sharing duties with Austin Wells. Um, Giancarlo Stanton, they'd love to get rid of him. We'll talk about him probably every week. 
But those are the tough decisions. Rizzo, I don't know if he's physically capable of playing next year. LeMahieu, if they have a chance to unload him, they probably will. But I don't think they have a chance to unload him. There are so many people who, if you were making daring calls, you could be like, they could be gone without even making the difficult calls. The list of people who will be gone is so obvious. Beverino, out. Isaiah Connor-Falefa, no. Higgy, non-tender, sad. Wandy, free agent, gonna walk. Luke Weaver, got him for like two and a half starts. Free agent, Domingo Herman, won't be seeing you. Jimmy Cordero, get off the 40-man roster. Jimmy Cordero can't crack the 40-man, and I don't care. It's <laughs> the easiest exercise that we've ever had in determining who won't be here. There are two criminals on the roster. They'll both be gone. <laughs> one of these people is like, it stirs up good feeling. Higgy and IKF oh, feel warm and fuzzy a little bit, but both of them will not be here. Higashioka just, he knows it. He kept saying like, yeah, he was saying nice things. The organization I've ever known. I don't want to think about it. And, and I wouldn't want to think about it either, but he, it would be a shocker if he comes back. Same with Severino. And notice Frankie Montas isn't even on that list because they rehabbed him quickly. They got a look at him, and Brian Hoke said when he came back, it would not be a surprise if he and the Yankees worked something out. I think that might be the first domino to drop this offseason. It really might be. I, I think we get a one-year, $7.5 million Frankie Motas deal like right off the jump. Yeah, especially because they expedited that. and Because you were sitting there, and, and we heard about it two weeks ago. He might start the end of the season. It's like, why? Why, though? What is the fucking point of this? Um so it was either they were being nice and they were like, hey, Frankie, we want to get you back on the mound, help you out for free agency, show teams that you're back. You know, the velocity's there. You got some some stuff. Or the Yankees were like, no, we're going to get you on the mound because we want to see if it's worth us keeping you for another year because you technically owe us. Or um, you don't owe us anything since Brian Cashman already knew you were injured and acquired you anyway. So enjoy life. I um, Yeah, he, I, I, I don't would, – would I be fine with that? Sure. You're shoring up your pitching in theory, but again, how many innings are you going to get from this person coming off major shoulder surgery? Um, won't argue with more pitching because you can never have enough. Um, who else is not back here in terms of oh, – did we say Wandy? Yeah, Wandy not coming back. I mean, you could even go deeper like Matt Bowman not coming back. Yeah, no. Zach McAllister not coming back. Masevich not coming back. The 40-man – we used to have like intense debates like, oh, my gosh, how do they clear two spots for Donnie Sands? Now it's like <laughs> they're, they're going to have trouble filling all 40. They're going to be like they might bring Misavage back because they're like, we don't have 40 players. We need a 40th <laughs> guy on the 40 man. Yeah, this uh, and the, well, I mean, they're going to have to protect some guys. Oh, Albert Abreu gone. Oh, um, wow. You forgot about him. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know what's going on with Luis Heal. If he's not is he pitching is he do like if he's gonna miss two full years at this point yeah when did he go down last year uh really early like may he he made that one spot start yeah he's gonna miss two years in the series in chicago that preceded the josh donaldson uh tim anderson yeah so um ryan ryan weber probably gone Tommy John, he's out for the year. I would yeah. not be surprised at a Jonathan Lewisga non-tender. I don't care what any of you say. Yeah, it's gonna be three million dollars for a guy who doesn't fucking pitch. Um, yeah. so like I don't know at this point. I mean, Franchi's gone. Billy McKinney, goodbye. Jake Bowers, please. I cannot stomach to watch him again. Again, um, this was just will be gone. It's like the automatic yeah. people who will be gone, and then you go a layer deeper, and it's like ten more. people. Yeah. We're looking at twenty player turnover for this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you start thinking, well, t- I think next episode we'll probably talk trade packages, but like uh, the futures of everybody are Oswald Peraza up in the air. I know we talked last week about them potentially figuring out an infield with him and Volpe, but like end the season with, you know, you have the last week of the season to prove yourself and you don't hit. I, I don't like, I don't know. Everson Pereira batting 150 with a 190 slugging. It's just, you know, uh, no one's asking for a 400 average and a 900 OPS, but you can't do that. These guys have contributed to the Yankees finishing 29th, 29th in batting average. That is the second worst batting average in the league behind the Oakland athletics. I don't want to hear anybody talking to me about on base percentage or OPS because 
Hits are what get runs across the board. You can walk all fucking night long. It won't matter if you cannot hit the ball, which we've seen in various occasions with runners in scoring position with the Yankees for the last four years. You're not going to score. You're not going to put pressure on the defense. You are not going to win games. This team needs a contact bat. There needs to be some semblance of whatever, however you want to critique it, old school, you know, outdated baseball, whatever, whatever. There needs to be somebody who can hit. There needs to be someone who's aggressive and counts. There's somebody who needs to, who is who has the intel and the wherewithal to pick up on a pitcher's tendencies and you know just pitch mix in general. This team has no clue. Every time these guys go up to bat, and it dates back you know, when Gary Sanchez was here. Gary Sanchez is one of the most hitters, one of one of the most confused hitters I've ever seen at the plate. He had no idea it was coming at any point for three years straight. And the Yankees let it persist, and they've done. They they've continued to do that with all these other guys who crack the bigs, with all these other guys who are you know coming in from an outside situation, another organization, or signing a minor league deal, and and cracking the roster. Like there is a very very disturbing disconnect with whatever, whether it's the coaching, whether it's just the the information gathering, the scouting to the to the actual you know uh, execution on the field, and that's going to result in careers being torpedoed and it's sad because like this many people should not be that bad but again two players who were above average offensively from you know a league-wide metric that's that's used you know compare it to any other the Braves the Bra- I I know everybody loves to compare their roster to the Braves but but the Braves have hitters one through nine everybody's above average Orlando RC has the lowest OPS plus on there I think he's a 102 which is pretty much league average, but made the all-star team made the, yeah, but the, 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 whatever they're doing, the, the Dodgers willingly downgraded this past off season. They let countless guys walk out the door over the last two years to free up money, whether it's for Otani, whether it's to, you know, just make sure they're financially flexible for the foreseeable future. So they can c- continue building around uh, Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, Clayton Kershaw, whoever's going to be there. And they have gotten better. By getting worse, they have instilled the proper practices in order to maximize the talent on the roster. So, and there are guys that hit for average. Freddie Freeman, one of the best hitters for average. Mookie upped his average this year and was hitting for power. Um, David Peralta was hitting well for them. James Outman, I think he was batting 260 or 270. You could just, you could keep talking about all these other teams that contend, all all these other teams that are, uh, you know, the Yankees are supposed to either model themselves after or they should be the standard for, and they have fallen so far behind, and now it's going to result in this many players not being back, because you're right. Baseline, people who are free agents, everybody's gone. Like you said, I think the only thing that we can maybe entertain, if anybody out there is even dreaming of entertaining a Luis Severino deal, please just, just leave the chat. No. We're not discussing it. No. Um Frankie Montas could be back because it's the classic Yankees disease where like they, we didn't get our value out of the trade. So let's try it again and we'll see what happens outside of that. They do need pitching. So it's understandable. Everybody else though, it's a, it's the money's coming off the books. They're looking at the situation, hopefully from a larger perspective and they're going to see what pieces they can fill. But then again, after that, there's like five or six other guys who are like, why are you here? What's the point of you here? Is it your fault? Is it the Yankees' fault? Judge did call out the players. I think yeah. we do have to note that. We Judge did urgency. say that there was, yeah, there was no urgency, which is funny um, because we've been fucking saying that for four years. Four years since, I mean, I think you can even be, if you really want to be a hard-ass fan and you want to hold this team accountable, I think you can probably go back to 2018 and and put their feet to the fire and say that they weren't you know urgent enough in those in that postseason. Just because losing that game, what sixteen to one or sixteen to three or whatever it was, as embarrassing as it's going to get. Letting Brock Holt hit yeah. the cycle on your field. Luis yeah. Severino forgets the start time of that game. Lance Lynn comes in mm-hmm. relief and is terrible. And then the next yeah. day, uh, they come out flat again. Like that's what you want. Like the Red Sox dance on your field. Alex Cora is getting ready to tell you to suck on it, which he does <laughs> about two weeks after at the World Series celebration parade. Uh, a moment that officially cursed his tenure in Boston. I yep. hope, fingers crossed, uh, has been basically irrelevant since then. So good job, Alex. But he did get a ring out of it. And they're, they're Dan Brock Holt is doing this at second base, and they're running up the score. And, and how do you come out the next day? You don't score, basically, until the ninth inning when Gary almost hits a home run but doesn't. 
and they almost beat out a grounder, but don't to tie the game. And it's, uh, it's the worst singular playoff series since 04. Yeah. Um, goes 04 to 18. So, yeah, they're punched in the mouth there. Uh, the team that comes out the next season is all these guys hungry to earn their spots every day. So I would say that the 2019 Yankees, the next man up team, that team had urgency. Yeah. Um, but 2020, 21, 22, 23, same, 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 same. Could never get back on the horse after Donaldson torpedoed the season last year. Uh, recovered at the very last minute in both 21 and 22. Judge walking off a one nothing game to keep the Yankees in the playoffs in 2021. And then an injured Garrett Cole getting rocked at Fenway. And then uh, last year, I mean, they steadied the ship eventually. They won the AL East eventually, but their 16-game lead got cut to four. Uh, urgency. Again, you shouldn't yeah. need that level of kick in the ass. Yeah, and it's – look, it's – it's again, that's why it comes down to it being everybody's fault. Whether it's the players in the locker room and it's their fault, like, yes, we could talk about that all day, but also – the front office is tasked with scouting players, everything about players. So if you're acquiring and signing and trading for all of these players that maybe have a personality deficiency in terms of their hunger, their will to win, um, their ability to communicate, whatever it is, Brian Cashman is assembling the, you know, the the opposite of, you know, the monsters in this case. He's getting all of the people who are incapable of these, you know, intangibles that you would like players to possess. And he's putting them all in the same room. And then he has two guys or three guys who are serious about trying to make things better. And you are overruled by the rest of the energy and the vibes in the room. So, yes, I think Judge was right to call it the players. I think that that's his responsibility as well. If he's seeing any sort of um, uh, shortcoming on that end. He's got to call them out. He has to talk with them. He has to set. He has to set the record straight. He's he's been named the leader for a reason. Uh, but also, like, it's time and time again with the player acquisitions. Like Donaldson, the second he leaves, you hear that story about him arriving in Milwaukee, and it's like <laughs> the Yankees don't. And that's fine if he wants to do that. Like, I'm. I don't. I have nothing against it. I know I wrote about it. I wrote about it in an incendiary way because, like. That shit doesn't fly with the fucking Yankees. And I will still – yeah, I will – it shouldn't fly anywhere because, like, that's a shitty attitude to have. It's – it doesn't set the right tone and it makes fe- people feel uncomfortable or like, oh, like, you're you're an asshole. I have to deal with you. You know, no one's being a baby here. It's just like, oh, this is unpleasant. Great. I have to go to work every day and be around this shit. But it's like that is not what made the Yankees great, like those types of personalities. And I think that we have known that for a long time um, uh, because of the various people who have walked through the doors and have succeeded in New York. Like Josh Donaldson, that personality does not succeed in New York. Um, It just doesn't. So, you know, you have Joey Gallo who spent a year here and made zero fucking adjustments, whether that's his fault because he didn't want to or whether it was the Yankees coaching staff's fault for not doing anything and forcing him to make any sort of adjustment with his swing or his approach or his, uh, his mental game. You know, I don't know, but like those are two very big deals over the last couple seasons that really screwed this team up and put them in a bad position. And there are smaller cases of that throughout the entire roster. So you have, the big easy ones to pick out, but then you have like these other termites eating at the foundational structure. And that's why we have an 82 and 80 season. Distinctly definitively average. And for everybody who wants to get on us about saying Loisica could be non-tendered, look at the quotes and then also think about, Hey, the Yankees were, Oh, the Yankees were mean to Chad green. They didn't want to pay for his rehab or whatever. Chad green in 12 games and 12 innings this year, subtracted 0.4 war from the blue Jays. Somehow, five point two five ERA went three and zero in those twelve games. Struck That's out crazy. 16, One point three 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 repeating WHIP, just terrible. Not ready till next year. So shame. But if a guy can't stay healthy, the Yankees are not going to stick by them, and they seem fed up with Jonathan Loaisiga. And they can be because they know how to make a bullpen. In theory, like they they created Nick Ramirez out of thin air. Another guy we talked we didn't even talk about. I guess like he's coming back. I don't know. Like, there's like 20 people that are going to go before Nick Ramirez. What a crazy, what a crazy life we lead. 
Um, worth before we go, just because we don't know when they're going to announce that Aaron Boone is coming back, probably soon. Uh, and it's on him to pilot this Sean Casey comeback. It, like, it's also on Casey. It sounds like they've made Casey an offer. Casey blabbed it. Then they said, hey, nothing set in stone, you know, up for grabs. And then Casey was like, no offer, just kidding, because he wasn't supposed to announce it. But he also announced that an offer was made. He wasn't announced that he is coming back. Mm. Uh, and it's it's on him. I, I again, I welcome the positive infusion of attitude. He seemed to connect with DJ LeMahieu, though it didn't carry to the end of the season. He seemed to connect with Gleyber Torres. He added, they were finally seeing pitches under Sean Casey, a distinct difference from the hit strikes hard mantra. They were not hunting first pitch so much anymore, but still people get on base. They don't score. People walk, people see pitches. They don't score because this team can't hit. So is that on Sean Casey? Is that on the personnel? Probably a little bit of both. Congrats on going old school Yankees, going more patient, getting them to look a little bit more like the offenses that worked in years past, but they do not have the personnel to punish pitchers for putting guys on base because the team stinks. So Aaron Boone's probably coming back. Sean Casey might be. There are some veteran managers out there who love them. It's like very love them or hate them names. And I think the fan base is going to be torn on basically all of these guys. Mm -hmm. But a quick round of would you rather have him manage? It's going to be a lot of guys available. I think the most popular option is Bob Melvin. He, he will be available. San Diego has not made it official yet, but rumor has it he and A.J. Preller can't coexist. Should A.J. Preller be let go? Has he proven himself to be the problem? I would say so, but he's probably going to stick it out. And Melvin, the dogged veteran, and someone who we wanted to manage the Yankees in the past, somehow the Padres wrangled him out of his A's contract. We were like, why couldn't you do that? Uh, would you rather have Bob Melvin manage than Aaron Boone? I think I would. I don't know. Um, my whole thing with changing managers is I think they need somebody young because these older school managers, not that I don't think they're capable, um, it's just the personnel is the personnel. And we have seen someone like Buck Showalter work with what he's got. Didn't work. Bob Melvin has been working with what he's got. You saw that entire expose in the athletic it talked about how the Padres pitching was you know the bullpen was a major problem because they didn't really address that the depth was a major problem they didn't really address that so I don't know again I don't know what value Aaron Boone coming back does because if he's a lame duck it doesn't make any sense if they don't think that he's the guy to see this next movement of Yankees baseball then I don't I don't know what what value that has but also like someone like Melvin how much are you going to be able to improve year to year without massive change again if you're if you're talking about massive changes and you're going to address this person uh, the personnel the exact way that you need to then sure managerial change probably makes sense but if Bob Melvin is largely working with the same uh, framework that Aaron Boone's been working with. You just saw what happened. It's the same thing. The team is bad. The chemistry is bad. There's not enough support. It's top heavy and you don't make the playoffs. So like I, in theory, I think Bob Melvin is a better manager than Aaron Boone, but also in practice, there's only so much that you're able to work with and you're able to maneuver. And if there is a if the, if this roster is even a semblance of what it was in 2023 and 2024, no manager is helping this team. So I think I vote Melvin. Yes, if there are sweeping, overarching changes, if this team is going to maybe get rid of Giancarlo Stanton and DJ LeMahieu and say fuck it, we're eating the money and we're just going to replace them with other you know other capable hitters who we think would just be even marginally better, then sure. Make make the change up top, but if you're not willing and ready to do that, I even think with just regular upgrades, like this team is still going to be a problem because if you're keeping all these other guys on the roster that are not good or who have been unwilling to or unable to improve, then uh, you're you're pretty much stuck with the same formula until you know until just time passes by. So I, th I think that's where I stand on it. Younger is better. You have to be smart enough to find the next Skip yeah. Schumacher before somebody else does. Um, it led the Marlins to the playoffs in year one. 
so again, Don Mattingly, no. Don't want to touch him. Had the same reputation as Aaron Boone during his time with the Dodgers. Everybody throwing back at me. What do you mean? He made the playoffs like nobody ever made the playoffs as often as Don Mattingly did during his first several years with the Dodgers. That's what that you're arguing for Aaron Boone when you say that. Aaron Boone made the playoffs. Ever Aaron Boone is the best Yankees managerial winning percentage ever. Yeah. But you, everybody who watches him on a daily basis knows he's not an elite manager in this league. So if your argument for Mattingly is the same as the one you've heard for Boone over and over again, I don't want to hear it. If you're going to pick a Marlin, pick the right Marlin. Pick Kim Eng. Get her out of there. She won the power struggle with Mattingly the first time. He's a bench coach now in Toronto. Keep him. I love Don Mattingly, but Brian Cashman had 100 opportunities to hire him, and he never yeah, did. Why would he too. do that? He, he, in 2004, Mattingly says, I want to be a manager. He says, Joe Torre's still the manager. Goodbye. Uh, <laughs> Joe Girardi takes Joe Torre's spot instead of Mattingly. Mattingly does not get hired. Mattingly could have gotten hired in 2017. Nope. Like, over and over again, Mattingly has confronted Cashman, and Cashman has looked the other way. Not going to happen now. Buck Showalter, who a lot of people wanted after last year, I feel bad for him that he was tearfully let go yesterday and had to announce his own firing because the Steve Cohen Mets are still a dumpster fire. And that's a topic for another podcast. Almost nothing has gotten meaningfully better with the way the Mets are run. Just a different asshole rich guy in charge now. He's richer, but he hasn't made a smart decision other than hiring David Stearns in three years. This was one of the worst Mets seasons in history. I don't. I, I would love to revisit the takes about how he's going to change my life forever. Uncle Steve is here. Uncle Steve's Mets are embarrassing. And I hope for New York baseball's sake that they aren't always, but they are embarrassing. And Buck Showalter announcing his own firing was just another example of that, how they still can't do PR right. Yeah. Jay Horowitz is a legend, by the way. But, like, why? Just because he's nice? This is the worst PR department in baseball history. Um, and, uh, yeah, Buck Showalter, after what he did with the Mets, uh, proven incorrect. Everybody who wanted to give him a try with the Yankees. That would not have worked. Would have ended sadly there as well. So, no, I do not want to explore Buck Showalter. And Joe Madden, old school, new school blend or whatever. Nobody grates on the organizations that hire them more than Joe Madden. The Angels fired Joe Madden during, like, a run-of-the-mill losing streak. They just, like, lost eight games last year. And were like, ah, yeah, he's gone. Sorry. Uh, no more of that guy. Uh, I, I would have loved uh, 2008 Joe Madden. I would have loved to have hired 2008 Joe Madden but not modern, famous, much older Joe Madden, who should probably be a consultant. At this. He's getting very cranky at this point in time. A legend who has done a lot during his big league career and did a great job of blending analytics with instincts in 2008 and 2016, and I don't want to hire 2024 Joe Madden. I wish him well. Hall of Famer, uh, not a Yankees manager moving forward. I've seen that floating around a couple times, yeah. and I want to quash it. Craig Council would be a dream. Uh, I think he's more likely to be a Mets manager than a Yankees manager, and I think he's going to take next year off no matter what team he ultimately ends up with. So that lines up with Boone's contract. I guess you can entertain that, but not for next season. Yeah, I think Showalter, Mattingly, and Madden are too late. You have the chance. You didn't do it. Why are you going to do it? It's like the Michael Brantley thing. It's like you should have signed Michael Brantley after the – what was it 2016 season or 2017 season and then you should yeah. have signed him again after the 2018 and now it's like why are you going to sign him now you already missed the first two or three opportunities to do so um and again melvin would be great if there's a serious change coming otherwise there's no value here you're going to bring in another high profile guy there's going to be a lot of pressure surrounding him he's not going to have the pieces to work with in theory and how much better is a good manager going to make this team uh, the players have been called out multiple times by Hal Steinbrenner, Brian Cashman, and now Aaron Judge. The roster constructor has been called out by everybody. The uh, philosophy of the organization has been called out in report after report after report. So again, there's a lot more that needs to be done here than just saying fire Boone, bring in a better manager that'll improve us five games. Yeah, it might, but... What does that make you? An early postseason exit? That make that makes you out in the first round of the playoffs. And that's not the goal. So I think there is something to be said about um, the culture and um, that sort of structure being revamped. But before that change is made, there needs to be either a roadmap 
ahead that suggests that manager coming in is going to have the proper tools to work with, or you need to just start from the top and start chiseling your way down. And then when you get to manager, which should be fourth or fifth in the, on the totem pole, then you make that change. I don't think that any, none of these, none of these candidates are screaming out at me suggest, you know, it's like, to me, it's either you need a young up and coming option and one that you discover a diamond in the rough, or you need Jim Leland smoking Marlboro 100s in the dugout, you know, throwing people on the bench when they're not acting right, or they make a dumb play in the field. Like that, 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 that's for me, it's one end of the extreme. I don't think just necessarily an old school manager is going to fix this. Um, I don't think any one, again, no one manager can fix this. It needs to be in conjunction with so many other things happening. So um, that that's where the Yankees need to begin. Yeah, Bruce Bochy was the guy last year. That yeah. was great, but they decided not to go that route. And so now we're talking about this again. I, if I had my they drum- blew it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, Fernando, we love you. You're one of our, you're one of our best commenters. Fernando. David Ross. I mean, he just collapsed. He's kind of cool. He just collapsed out of the NL playoff field. It's one of the worst late season collapses. They blew a seven nothing lead in Atlanta, and then they blew a save in the second game in Atlanta, and they lost wimpily in Milwaukee, and they lost five out of six to the Diamondbacks down the stretch. Like you would have been, I mean, you got it. We love you. You got to admit, if David Ross had done that for the Yankees, you'd be asking to send him to Jupiter to go to space jail. Like that. There's just there's no perfect option. You got to uncover the next David Ross. Like you, if you you like David, I like Rocco Baldelli. He complained about Domingo Herman, so he's on the right side of history there. I, I like finding I like finding diamonds in the rough. It's not always your former players. Paul Molitor didn't work out so great for the Twins. No, the Asia. It would be nice to look in. I would love David Cohn in the dugout. I would Me too, but he's tried before. He wasn't hired as a pitching coach, and what? Why would he be hired as a manager? I know there's so much to sort out. I wish, I hope we get to talk about him. <laughs> I hope we get to talk about a managerial hire this offseason. Nothing would make me happier, but I'm just not – I, I don't think we're going to get that chance. But there will be so much turnover, and we appreciate you all coming out here to join us again on the season-ending season recap version of the Inks Go Yard podcast, the only podcast that gets you Bronx bombed on a weekday afternoon. We will be back on plenty of different weekdays. We're messing around with our cadence. We're trying to find the highest-profile times to go live all offseason long. But rest assured, we're not going anywhere – We're going to be here. Set your alerts to make sure that you got us when we go live, when we do talk to the folks. Uh, We want to gather you in the town square, talk Yankees all offseason long. A lot of meaningful stuff's going on. And even if they don't make changes, we'll yell about the fact that changes were not made. So rest assured, we will be here. I'm Adam Weinerb. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weinerb. Thomas Carinante, where can the people find you? I'm at Tommy's underscore takes, everybody. Um, you could find us at the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. Uh, we thank you for being here. Appreciate it. It's been a long road this year. Uh, the support from you guys has been great. The activity in the chat has been awesome. Uh, head on over to YanksGoYard.com. We got plenty of content there for you. You guys are reading a lot today. We got a lot more for you. We have a lot of uh, articles planned. A lot of we're staying on top of all the rumors. We're formulating our own thoughts you know, throwing some stuff at the wall, seeing if, seeing if it sticks, uh, mainly having fun. And this is where the discourse does get really fun. There's a lot of changes that need to be made. Uh, we're going to be keeping you informed every step of the way. We appreciate the support once again, until next time, we will talk to you, um, Thursday this week, I guess another 2 PM Eastern live right here. Why not? Uh, we'll talk some players who might be, um, on the trade block, um, among other things, but that, that'll be another hot button issue that we got to cover. Um, so until then, enjoy these playoffs. They start tomorrow. Um, who plays first? Have you checked out the schedule yet? It's the, uh, well, somehow the Astros worked their way out of the yeah. wild card series. But they would have beat the twins anyway. So that doesn't even matter. Of, to me. of course they would yeah. have, but it would have at least been nice to see them yeah. in that first round. Um, I think that, I mean, the twins are obviously early. It's the, the Rangers and Rays are the first series every single day. Then it's the Jays and Twins, which, hey, loser bowl. Very exciting. Um, I'm giving it to the Twins, and you can see I am too. Baseball insiders. I think the Twins win that series. Yep. I think Pablo Lopez is bad in the opener, and the Twins win games two and three. Come talk to me. Uh, then D-backs Brew Crew at 7 o'clock each day, and the Marlins in Philadelphia, 8.08 p.m. They gave the Phillies fans the home games they deserve for that NL East battle. The Marlins are crazy. Their run differential is bad. 
minus 50, but they win close games over and over and over again. Division matchup. It's a good, it's a scary matchup. You never know. They win tight games. They have close game DNA. They have comeback DNA. They overcame a 3-0 deficit in the eighth inning of one of those games, the first game in Pittsburgh. If they don't do that, they're either out of the playoffs potentially or playing today at City Field to try to, you know, conclude a 2-1 reign suspended game. So shout out to the Marlins. They always do it time and again. Magic. Uh, so, yes, yeah, stay tuned for the playoffs. Hopefully we'll have some game threes to talk about when we go live on Thursday. Fernando, we see you. Merch. Uh, we'd love to, man. Hopefully we designed some merch coming up. Can't include the Yankees logo. So we got to get creative. But guess what? We will. We'll talk to our people about that. We'll have our people talk to your people. Uh, stay tuned. Merch drop could come. Collabs could come. Off season of fun. Uh, so stick with us. Thanks so much for doing so, so far. We'll see you on Thursday. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.